Now, we're in the fourth week of our series, He Said, She Said, God Said. And uh, the very first two weeks of the series, we talked to men about women. And we talked about two things that, that women need from men, especially in a marriage relationship. The first week, we talked about understanding this idea that we have to get to where we see life from our wife's perspective. God put it on us as men to do that. And then the second week, we talked about we honor our wives because God has put her in an esteemed position. And we treat her in that esteemed position regardless of her behavior, regardless of her actions, regardless if she loves you more than you love her. It doesn't matter. You treat her a specific way because of who she is in Jesus Christ. And then last week, uh, we changed a little bit, and the women weren't as happy because we began to talk to the ladies about as men what we need from you. And so this is kind of part two this weekend. And in way of review, if you were here last week, we discovered that when God created man, that God gave Adam this desire to work. In fact, you may remember we looked at Genesis 2.15. Let me read it to you. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And we saw that the very first job that God gave Adam was to name the animals. And God totally gave him the responsibility. He says, it's up to you. You come up with the names. You know, duckbill platypus. If that's what you want to go with, you go with it, Adam. But this is really your job. But it didn't stop there. We saw that God said, we also, also I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to rule over the earth. In other words, he put into Adam, he put into man this desire to work, to lead, to conquer, to make progress. And so Adam's doing his thing. And God is observing Adam, you know, he's in the garden, he's having the time of his life, like every day's a bachelor party, he's swinging through the trees with the monkeys, and he's running around with his shoelaces untied, carrying sharp scissors, and God's looking at him like, man, this, this guy's going to kill himself, you know, I got to do something. So God decided it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he created Eve to be his helper and his supporter, and with Adam and Eve together, two became one, they were complete, they were in this perfect environment, life was good. But as we saw last time, because of sin, things didn't remain the way they began. You know the story. Satan came along and he tempted Eve and tempted her with the fruit and she ate. And she said, here, Adam, you try it. And he ate it. And the fall came and God shows up and pronounces a curse. If you weren't here last week, let me show you the curse. Genesis three seventeen. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What happened was this. Up to this point, Adam had this incredible relationship with the environment. I mean, when he worked the garden, it was always just the right amount of sunshine, just the right amount of moisture. Just the right amount of good insects. No weeds whatsoever. Everything was lush and green and beautiful. Everything was perfect. Everything was just as God had designed. In fact, God looked at it and says, it is good. But now all of a sudden with the curse, everything's changed. Now this environment where, where Adam was supposed to fulfill this work thing that God had placed in him, it's gone haywire. And, and now he says, Adam, every day is going to be an uphill battle. Every day is going to be a struggle. In fact, you're going to work and work and work, and you're going to struggle and struggle and struggle. But when it's all said and done, you're going to die, and you're going to return to dust again. In fact, Adam, you're going to live every day with this foreboding frustration. What's the point? And we talked about that's why many men feel that way today. What's the point? I'm going to work. I'm going to save. I'm going to invest. I'm going to die. Somebody's going to get it anyway. What's the point? It goes back to the curse. But there was also a second part of the curse in Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. 
With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And we talked about that last time. What that means is this. Your desire will be to rule over your husband, but he's going to rule over you. In fact, I didn't point this out last time, but the, the Hebrew word for rule, the, the root of that word is competition. So basically, God was saying, all of your life as man and woman, as husband and wife, you're going to be competing against one another. But at the end of the day, he's going to rule over you. So now, not only is there conflict in man's environment, we discover that there's also conflict between man and his helper. It goes back to the curse. But as we pointed out last time, because we, we have this image of God thing in us to work and subdue and conquer, we just do not give up. We still get up and go to work and try to conquer the marketplace. We still meet a woman and fall in love. And, and though everybody else's marriages and, and, and marriage uh, divorce rates way over 50%, you know, we still have the attitude, I'm going to make this thing work even if it kills me. And it's because we have this basic determination to fulfill our God-given desire to lead and to subdue and to make progress. But we learned last time, when a man begins to struggle in his environment, and when a man begins to feel this tension in the relationship where he's supposed to have a helper, but she isn't really helping, in fact, maybe she's hurting and hindering, all of a sudden a battle begins, and there's this principle we talked about that takes effect. Here's the principle. Let me show it to you again. The environment in which a man feels the most competent will capture his heart and eventually his time and eventually his attention and sometimes even his affection. In other words, the environment that best allows a man to lead, that best allows a man to subdue and conquer and rule, it is just going to draw us in like a magnet. Now, I concluded last week by giving you some good news and telling you this. Most men, especially most Christian men, uh, we really, 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 really want our hearts to be drawn toward home. I mean, we really want to lead. We, we actually want our relationship with you to be like Adam and, Adam and Eve's relationship before the fall. And you got to understand that's possible because in Christ, what Christ did for us on the cross, the atonement work of Christ, it is now possible because the curse has been broken. This is what Galatians 3.13 says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That basically means this. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is living through us, we now have an option. We now have hope. Because of Christ, we don't have to dominate each other. As Christ lives through us, we don't have to rule each other. We can now serve one another. We can now love each other. In fact, ladies, if you'll help us as men, we will actually be the men that God designed us to be. We will actually lead the way God intended us to lead, but we're going to need your help. And so this weekend, I want to give you ladies three things that will draw our hearts toward home. And I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. Some of what I'm saying is going to sound silly. And part of the reason is because there's some things about men that you ladies are never really going to understand. Just as there are some things about you ladies that us men are never really going to understand. Reminds me of a great story. A guy's walking down the beach in California and he finds a lamp and he picks it up and a genie pops out. And the genie says, hey, you get one wish. What do you want? He says, man, I've always wanted to take my wife to California, but she's, a, she's afraid to fly. Could you, could you build a road to, I mean, uh, I've always wanted to take my wife to Hawaii, but she's afraid to fly. Could, could you build me a bridge to Hawaii? And the genie says, man, that's, <laughs> that's asking a lot. I mean, do you know there are parts of the Pacific Ocean that are 35,000 feet deep? I mean, that's like six miles deep. On top of that, it's a 2,500-mile drive. 
You can't just drive to Hawaii. If I build your road, I got to build gas stations where you can refuel. I got to build places where you can eat. I got to build hotels so you can stay. I mean, it's a big undertaking. Isn't there something else you want? And he says, well, could you help me understand my wife? The genie said, you want that to be two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's just some things about you we're not going to understand. There's some things about us you're never going to understand. And so I, I, I want to say to all the single ladies, all the single ladies, yeah, I'm... <laughs> Probably should not do that in a pink shirt, be honest with you. Uh, I want to say to all the single ladies, all the college co-eds, all the high school girls, although you can apply these things specifically in a relationship right now, you really, really need to get this stuff into your heart and your head because if you can hit the ground running doing these three things, I'm telling you, you will have an amazing head start when you finally do get married. Let me also say this. Uh, I'm sure that after last week, there were some of you ladies that walked out of here thinking, Mike, you just don't understand. My husband just will not lead. He's just lazy, or he's passive, or he's just so laid back, he will not lead. So ladies, I want to tell you this. If you will take these three things that I'm going to share, and if you will begin to apply them by Tuesday, I promise you no later than Wednesday, your husband will be an incredible leader in the home. That's not true. I, 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 that's, actually, that's actually a lie. But, that, but the reality is that's what we want. We want to do it and it's change it immediately. I will promise you this. In time, in time, as you change some habits, you invite your husband's heart back into your home to lead. So let's talk about the three ways that uh, you can capture your husband's heart and keep it at home. Here's the first one. Listen to us. Listen to us. Because when you do, it draws our heart toward home. And ladies, when you think about it, this, this makes perfect sense because who do we tend to listen to, you know? We, we tend to listen to people uh, we feel have something important to say. Or, or maybe we listen to people we think they're smart so they can help us. Or, or maybe they know something we don't know. Or maybe we've, we've determined they understand something we, we don't understand. These are the kind of people that we listen to. So when you get into the habit of listening to your husband, you're communicating to him that what he has to say is worth listening to. And when you do that, you will capture his heart. And it's because as men, we have a deep desire to have someone listen to us in such a way it communicates, hey, honey, I think that's a great idea. Hey, honey, I think that's really important. Hey, honey, I've never heard anyone put it that way before. So when you, when you listen to us, you're basically communicating to us, you're worth listening to, you're worth following. What you have to say is valuable. So let me tell you, how you can listen to us. By the way, if you get in the car after the service and ask your husband, honey, is that really true? He's going to throw me under the bus. And he's going to say something like, well, you know, it's probably true of Mike because Mike has issues, but it's not really true of me. Let me just tell you, he's lying. He believes this. He feels this way. So let me give you some inside secrets when it comes to how you can listen to us. Here's the first one. Ladies, <laughs> when we talk... See, I'm going to tell you what your husband won't tell you. Okay, I'm just going to be the bad guy. This week. When we talk, we're really not interested in your input. You just need to understand that. In fact, when we open up, when we share to you, all the guys inside, they're laughing at me, but deep down they're like, go Mike, mm -hmm, preach it, brother. See, when we talk, we basically want two things. We want you to appreciate our struggle, and we want you to assure us that we can handle it. But what we don't want is for you to solve our problem. But what often happens is you ladies, you, you immediately go into problem-solving mode. You say, oh, honey, I just read a verse. 
Or I just read a book. Or we just talked about this in my small group. Or Dr. Oz said today, or this is how I think you should handle the problem. And it's because when we talk to you, you assume we want your input. You assume uh, it's an opportunity for you to step in and solve our dilemma. That's not what we want, right? And so if you're one of those ladies who's constantly trying to solve his husband's problems, your husband's problems when he shares them with you, I can promise you this. He's going to stop talking to you. And he's going to stop sharing his problems with you. Because that's not why men share. We share with you because we want you to appreciate our struggle, appreciate what we're going through, but we want you to remind us and assure us that we can handle it. I thought of a great example of this with me and Laura. Uh, I'll just tell you, preparing a message <laughs> is a real struggle for me. I mean, it is like going to war every week. And part of the reason, I told you I was a PE major in college, I just, I just wanted to play with a ball. That's what I wanted to do in my life. God really, you know, messed me up. But life was going to be so simple. I was a PE major, and even though I eventually went to seminary, I, I'm just not that good at preparing, preparing sermons. And because of that, you know, I, I speak five times every weekend. I finish to get home about 7 o'clock on Sunday night. I'm usually asleep by 8 o'clock. And I'm telling you, I get up on Monday morning and realizing it all starts all over again. And every day, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about. If it's not coming together, that window's closing because I know that deadline of next weekend, i got to get up there and have something to say. So we're driving home from work, and Laura said, how's your message coming this week? And I said, I don't know. I'm confused. It doesn't make sense. It made sense here. But now that I put it on paper and I look at it, it makes no sense whatsoever. So I tried to rearrange it. Now I'm totally confused. I don't know what to do. And the weekend's coming like a runaway freight train. And everybody's going to walk in at 4.15 on Saturday and plop down with their arms crossed and say, tell me something I hadn't heard before, Mike, you know. And I said, this pressure's just getting to me. And I'm getting all worked up and frustrated. Now in the past, Laura would have immediately tried to help me with my message. She would have said something like, well, you know, honey, this might help. I was just studying my devotions. Or she would say something like, or this is what Laura loves to do. She'll put a book on my desk at home. It says, if you'll just read pages 21 to 463, I think it will help you with your message this week. Or she'll say, you know, I just heard Andy Stanley. Or I just came from a conference and I heard Reggie Joyner. And all I hear after that is blah, 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 blah. Because in my mind, these are other men that she listens to that are smarter than I am. So when Laura begins to help me with my message, this is what my spirit does. I just, I just shut down. But on this occasion, I'll never forget it. We're driving down 64, heading home toward Apex. She responded totally differently. And this is what she said. Honey, you always do a great job. You always figure it out. And I'm sure you'll figure it out this week, and it will come together. And I got to tell you, as a man, that meant everything to me. You see, when I told Laura I was struggling with my message, I wasn't saying, honey, please help me. I just wanted her to appreciate my struggle, and I wanted her to assure me that I can handle it. Lady, that's what, ladies, that's what we need from you, and that's what we want from you. But when you immediately jump in to solve our problems, what you're communicating to us without trying to communicate it, but this is what you're communicating to us, you ought to be able to figure this out on your own, but since you can't, I guess I'm going to have to get involved and figure it out for you. Now, ladies, don't take this the wrong way. We just aren't interested in that kind of input. And maybe at some point we'll invite you in on that level. But initially, we, we just want you to listen. We just want you to understand our struggle and what we're going through. And so the first thing you can do to create an environment that draws our heart toward home is just listen and understand when we talk. Second, they only get harder. 
we need you to allow us to lead. Now, the, <laughs> the Bible calls this concept submission. And I want you to see a verse because I want you to know I didn't make this up, okay? God said it. So if you want to be ticked off at somebody, be angry at God. So I'm going to read this verse. And if any of you leave in the next 10 minutes, even if it's to go to the bathroom, we're just going to assume you're mad at God and you don't want to listen to this. So ladies, you got to pee. I don't know what you have to do, but just kind of hang in there and hold it in there. Here we go. Here's the verse. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Stay with me. I feel the walls going up. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I realize ladies hate the S word. So let me try to take some of the fear away. When you submit, what you're doing is this. You're quietly inviting us to lead. When you submit, it's like you, you're just stepping back and creating a space that we can step into and lead. That's really all submission is. It's allowing us to lead. By the way, isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say men lead your wives? He didn't say that. So why does Paul command women to submit, but he never commands men to lead? And I'm going to tell you why. It's because when you become a better follower, we become a better leader. So ladies, and I know you're not going to like this part, to a degree the ball is in your court. Because you got to remember, it is in us to lead. It's the way God made us. It's the way he wired us. He put that in us. And because of that, we will automatically fill a vacuum and lead if there is a vacuum. But see, although God put it in us to lead, for many of you ladies, it's just not in you to create a vacuum. Let me see if I could explain this by using like a car analogy. Your tendency is to grab the steering wheel the minute that we take our hands off the steering wheel. And as men who are trying to lead, we will take our hands off a lot. But Paul is saying in these verses, women refuse to grab the wheel. Instead, you create a vacuum. Because if you refuse to grab the wheel long enough, and if you do it the right way, your husband will step in and your husband will fill the vacuum because it is in him to lead. You see, that's why the focus is on your submission and not our, our leadership. In fact, later on, Paul says this in verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. You notice Paul doesn't say that wives ought to love their husbands. Why not? Well, it's, it's because you ladies, you have this unconditional love thing down. I mean, it is just natural for you. In fact, you ladies, you embarrass men to death when it comes to unconditional love. It's just something we have to work at every day. Paul, knowing that, says, men, you love your wives because that's what you've got to work on. And ladies, you submit to your husband because that's where your struggle is. And what Paul is saying is basically this. Women, allow them to lead. Step away from the will, Right? Let go of it, and at the risk of the whole thing crashing and burning, you've got to create a vacuum because your husband will fill it. And I'm trying to be gentle. I, I'm, I don't want you to think I'm chauvinistic. My wife will tell you I, I just am not. But the challenge is this. Uh, some of you ladies, you, you want to be in control so much 
you just do things you don't even realize. Um, for example, maybe your husband is telling a story. Are you one of those ladies you correct all the details? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, we went to the beach. No, honey, we went to the mountains. Yeah, we went to the mountains on the 4th of July. No, honey, it was Labor Day. Yeah, we were in the mountains on Labor Day, and we went to this place for lunch. No, honey, it was dinner. You ever do stuff like that? Without meaning to, this is what you're thinking. I'm smarter than he is. You know what he's thinking? She's smarter than I am. You know what everybody listening to the story is thinking? She's smarter than he is, right? Right? And you ladies, you think you're doing a good thing, but this is what you're saying. He dropped the details. He let go of the will. I had to step in. I had to fix it. I had to make it right. And I could go on and on, but ladies, there's a million ways you grab the will and take over the relationship. And often, you're so much smarter than we are. We get that. And we're so insecure, we will just let you drive. So we need you to step back and allow us to fill the vacuum. But if you won't do that, We'll only struggle with you for so long. But we're going to go lead somewhere because that's just in us. That's how God wired us. And so when Paul says this to submit, he's saying this. Ladies, you need to create this vacuum and allow your husband to lead. And the better follower you become, the better leader he will become. And I know that's going to be hard on some of you ladies at first because there are going to be times... <laughs> when your husband's going to take his hands off the wheel. And when there's not someone on, somebody's hands on the wheel, I mean, the natural tendency is for you to grab the wheel and, and stay on course or get back on course. But ladies, you got to understand, when you do that, you short-circuit what God is trying to do in your husband's life. And as long as you want to control the wheel, as long as you want to drive, God will not be able to move your husband into that position. There has to be a vacuum. You know what that means? <clears throat> There, that means there are going to have to be some times when you will have to decide intentionally, I will not grab the will. I refuse to grab the will. You'll have to decide, I am going to become a follower. I am going to be the best follower I can be. And if he never grabs the will, I'm going to refuse to grab the will. I'm going to be a follower. That is the only way to give God room in your husband's life, to draw him into that vacuum so he can lead. See, ladies, you need to understand this. You married an imperfect leader. you got to assume that. There are times we're going to lead too slow. There are times we're going to lead in the wrong direction. There are times when our priorities are going to be screwed up. We are, without a doubt, imperfect leaders. But, ladies, you got to understand, we're not motivated to become better leaders by you reminding us constantly of just how imperfect we are. It does not motivate us do you know how we're motivated paul hit it right on the head submit focus on being a better follower and right now i know what some of you ladies are thinking you think this mike you don't understand if i don't do it it will not get done and this is what i think god would say then let it go let it go but whatever you do do not Grab the wheel. It's the only way I can move you, your husband, into that vacuum so that he will lead. <laughs> and for some of you ladies, that's like asking you not to breathe. Okay? But in time, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, as men, 
We will move into the void. We will fill the vacuum. By the way, let me show you Ephesians 5.22 again. I don't know if you caught it uh, or not when we read it. Paul said this, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. You know what that means? Paul is telling you, ladies, treat your husband the same way you would treat Jesus. And this is what some of you ladies are thinking. When he starts acting like Jesus, I'll start treating him like Jesus. You know what Paul's telling you in Ephesians 5? If you treat him like Jesus, he will get there. You may be married to a great leader, but you're going to have to help him get there. And the way you help him get there is by becoming a good follower. Now, man, let me say this. It's up to us to develop our leadership so that we're leaders that are worthy of following, that our wives feel comfortable following. And we have a great opportunity coming up. We have the Chick-fil-A leadership cast that's coming up here on May the 10th. It's from 8 to 4.30. Incredible speakers like Mike Krzyzewski, John Maxwell, Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, there he is again. Condoleezza Rice. Many, many more. It's $65, and you're going to hear more about becoming a phenomenal leader. It's not just for men, but let me say this, ladies. What a great Father's Day gift, $65. To say, honey, I, I'm, I'm registering you, and I want you to go because I believe in you as a leader. Do you, want, you know what that would mean to so many of your husbands? I just believe in you as a leader, and I want you to have this day in my honor. I want to do it for you. And ladies, maybe you need to come too. But it's for everybody, it's 65 bucks. but I'm telling you, it can make an incredible difference in your husband's life, and I encourage you to check that out. Leadership Simulcast coming up right here. It's live from Atlanta. But it's going to be a simulcast right here on May the 10th. Here's the third thing we need from you. We, we need you to admire us. And I say, some of us going to sound silly, but just hang, hang with me. Here's the definition for admire. I got it from dictionary.com. To regard with wonder, pleasure, or approval. Now I'm going to tell you something. This starts for guys when we're little boys. We never outgrow the need to be admired. As I was working on my message, you know what this, I used to do this when I was a little boy. And I, I'm not saying I was a normal little boy, but I think I was. We grew up dirt poor. And uh, in the backyard, um, there was an old elm tree and there was a, there was a basketball goal just kind of nailed up there to the tree. And I would get out there and, and my parents are here this weekend. They will attest to this. I mean, I, I wasn't like those weird little kids you have that play video games and never want to go outside. I mean, I, I stayed outside until like they sent out the, you know, the, the National Guard to bring me in. I just, I was one of those kind of kids. I would stay out there and shoot baskets and dribble and practice for hours, hours. And this was the little game I would play in my head to keep me occupied. Five seconds left in the game. Mike's got the ball. He's on the wing. He's going to shoot. They need two to score. And if I score, the crowd went round. But see, if I missed, oh, he was fouled. See, he got, right? And then I'd go to the free throw line for two shots, one to tie, two to win. If I made the first one, did I miss the second one? I said, whoa, somebody was in the lane too early. He gets to shoot it again. So I had to figure, but I, it's just something about us we love to be admired. Now, fast forward a few years. First time I ever saw Laura in my life was in college. Friday night, pep rally before our first game on Saturday. I saw her and I went, mm-hmm. And I stalked her afterwards. <laughs> and we had our first date that night. The next day we had our first game, Saturday afternoon game. And it was a team we should have easily beaten. We trailed the whole game and finally we were coming back and toward the end of the game, 
I broke into a passing lane. I stole the ball. I went the length of the court. I laid it in, and I turned, and I saw my wife with her pom-poms. You know, in my mind, it wasn't for the team. It was for me. And so I'm running by. You know, something like that, right? I'm telling you, we never outgrow that. There is something in your husband, there is something in every man that wants your admiration. We want to know you, going back to the definition, that you regard us with pleasure and wonder and approval. And ladies, you have got to get into the habit of pushing that button in our lives and pushing it often. It's because we like to be in environments where someone admires us. I mean, that kind of environment, it just draws us in. And ladies, this is important because uh, (laughs) there are women out there who will find something to admire about your husband. And I know what some of you are thinking. (laughs) You haven't met my husband. Trust me, I'm safe on this one. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you couldn't be more wrong. I've had couples in my office. I've seen this numerous times over 30 years. A very attractive wife in tears beside her husband. And I've heard things like, I just discovered he was having an affair, and this is not his first one, it's his fifth one. And I look at this loser. You know, his shirt tails out, his zipper's half down, his six-pack's turned into a keg, you know. He's unshaven, his hair's disheveled, and I'm like, him? You know? There are women out there who will find something to admire. And when that happens, you got to understand, it just, we don't want it, we don't plan it, it just pushes a button. It could be a compliment as innocent as, uh, you sure explained that clearly in our meeting today. Wow, have you lost weight? You look good in that color. You know, the button gets pushed, so we need you to push the admiration button often. Let me give you a list of things you can try on your husband. Again, you're going to think they're silly, just try them. Tell him he looks good. Now, when he, we're not going to go, really? You're, you think so? You know, we're not going to do that. You know, we're gonna, you know how we're going to respond? We're going to act like it's no big deal. Trust me, it's a big deal. I'm telling you, Laura does this to me all the time. She'll say, you look nice in that color. You look handsome today. Wow, you look more tan. Have you been working out more? I know she's lying, but it's still a big deal. You know, it's still a big deal. So try that one. Here's one. Tell him how smart he is. You say, well, my husband's not that smart. He may not be as smart as you. He may not be as smart as you would like him to be, but I guarantee you there's some area of his life where he's smart. So look for ways of letting him know that. Here's one. Tell him you admire how he does his job, how he provides for you. See, this is what's interesting. You got a husband that may be going to work, and at work, he's a rock star. He's a superstar. Every day, people are telling him how smart he is and what a great job he's doing and what a great leader he is. He needs you to tell him what a great job he is doing. And for some of you ladies, that means you're going to have to actually find out what your husband does. You know, you don't have a clue. You're at a party, and some lady says, what's your husband do? Uh, I think it's something with, with computers. Honey, you work computers? I think it's computers, right? And what that communicates to him is what you do isn't very important. At least it's not important enough for me to figure out what you do. So tell him you admire how he does his job. Here's one. Compliment him on his strength. Now, we know we're not that strong. We're basically blue-collar and white-collar wimps. We know that. But when you say something like, wow, 
you unscrewed that light bulb all by yourself. I mean, you don't have to use that one, you know. Well, he's not going to go, thanks, honey, I have been lifting a little bit. He's not going to do that, right? We just like to have the button pushed. You come up, it could be his love for God. It could be his athletic ability. It could be he's a great dad. It could be his sense of humor. It could be his character. It could be his way with people. But whatever it is, you cannot lose when you push those buttons. Now, uh, ladies, this may have been tough on you. Certainly not my intention. But I just want to remind you by telling you this. God has not called you to change your husband. God has called you to change you. That's where your focus needs to be. And as God changes you into a good follower, God will change your husband into a good leader. For some of you, that's going to require you to become a better listener. For some of you, that means that you're going to have to let go of the will and be willing to follow. For some of you, it means you're going to have to work at pushing some buttons in your husband's life. And when you do that, you will capture his heart. And I will assure you this, you will keep his heart. Now, we're going to wrap up our series next week by talking about this. We're going to talk about the conflict between men and women and how it affects uh, our parenting and how it affects our relationships. It's one of the greatest causes of tension in a marriage relationship. And I just got to tell you, those little kids that look so cute when they come into church, they're going to grow up to be little hellions, I'm going to tell you, and they will destroy your life if you allow it. In fact, let me say one more thing to you ladies. If your children take precedence over your husband, I can guarantee you this. His heart's going to be drawn to a different environment. So you really, really need to be here next weekend. This is huge. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again uh, for truth we didn't write. You wrote it. God, you have this manual, this incredible, called the Bible, made up of 66 books, not one book. It's, it's a collection of 66 books written by many different men over thousands and thousands of years. And it is literally our instruction manual for life. And Father, since you created us, it just makes sense that we study your instruction manual. I mean, Father, it would be like us buying a Mercedes and, and trying to use a Volkswagen service guide to, to fix our car. It would make no sense. So God, understand as we hear these things, they, they've become so odd to us. Leading, submitting, subduing, conquering. And yet, Father, you said, man, when it works the way I designed it, it is just the most beautiful thing in the world to observe. I think of my parents here this week in 65 years. Not all of them easy, I guarantee you. But Father, I just lift them up as role models of what can happen, even in tough times, and in times when jobs aren't great and the economy's tough and six people living in a little house and tension, and yet when we do it this way, you have a way of doing amazing things in and through us. Father, I, I pray that we would just get to the point, forget just this series, that we would take our goal here at Hope of living what we learn so seriously. If your word says it, we adjust our lives accordingly and we just try it to see what would happen if we're just obedient to you. 
So Father, for all the walls that have gone up, I pray you'll bring them down. I pray you'll give us open hearts and minds that say, you know what? God said it. I need to try it. And Father, I, I pray for ladies right now who are thinking, ah, oh, but you don't know my husband. No, I don't. But you don't know what he can be if you treat him and love him the way you treat and love Jesus Christ. He may just rise to the occasion and be a man you never thought he would be. So Father, we, we entrust this to you. In your name we pray, amen.